Yeah. Yes. Hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Doing all right? Hey, listen, I don't understand why they make it as hard as possible on me. I got to follow my wife when I come up here. She's awesome, isn't she? She's a good singer. She's anointed. She's cute, too. Don't amen that. I don't want to have to fight you, but hey, welcome everybody. My name is Cole. I'm one of the student ministries pastors here on staff. It's the greatest job in the world, in my opinion. I love this church so much, and I'm so honored to be able to bring this week one of At The Movies to you all this morning. It's, it's going to be a really, really fun time. Um, how many of you have ever seen the movie Back to the Future? By a show of hands, come on. Yeah, a lot of you. Listen, this movie was made before I was even born, Okay. Back in 1985, they made this movie way before I was born, 80s. And so I remember growing up, my dad, these came out when he was like in high school, so he would watch these movies. And so I grew up watching these movies with my dad, and I, I really grew to like them. But in this movie in particular, there's this guy named Doc. And Doc is this tall, skinny, Einstein-looking fella who's got, like, crazy white hair, and he's a scientist. And he builds, like you saw, a time machine out of the classic sports car called a DeLorean. And so he accidentally sends back the main character in this story, his name's Marty McFly, back in time, 30 years to 1955. I want you to check out this clip right here. That's a good clip. <laughs> That's a really good clip. So in, in, right here we saw the main character driving the car. His name is Marty McFly. Like I said, he accidentally gets sent back in time 30 years to the year 1955. Now when he gets to the year 1955, he meets a lot of the people that he knows just 30 years younger. So his parents are in high school. He meets one of his uncles who's like a newborn baby at the time. It's, it's pretty funny. But when Marty is in the past, he also finds a lot of, of messy situations. He also finds a lot of messed up stuff. Like his dad is this super geek who gets picked on all the time by the school bully. His mom has like no sense of moral compass at all. She just does whatever she feels like doing. And so Marty feels like he needs to sort of clean up the past, if you will. Now, today, I want to use this movie, the, these clips that we're going to play, as an illustration for what I want to talk about today. Because I believe, if we we're all being honest here today, I believe that every person in this room would say, if I got the chance to go back in time and change something about my life, whether it's something I did or something that happened to me, whatever it might be, you would say, I would, I would take that chance. I would, I would go back in time and I'd fix something about my past, right? Head nods. I need your help today, y'all, to help me preach this message. You hear? I love it. So we would all agree that we would go back in time. And so today what I want to talk about uh, is the fact that many of us have trouble getting past our past. You see, because we all have a past, right? As a preacher, you see, I preach a lot of messages, mainly to students, but I create a lot of messages and series and content. And, and the thing about preaching messages is it's really, really hard to hit every person in the room with every message, right? So say, for example, I, I talk about marriage. Not everybody's marriage. Not everybody's marriaged. Not everybody's married. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. If I, if, if I speak about, you know, like financial instability or something like that, not everybody's financially unstable. You can't always hit everybody in the room. And so earlier this year they said, Cole, 
2017, it's here. We're giving you the microphone. One time you get one shot to preach this year. I said, I'm preaching a message that can pertain to every person in this room. And I'll tell you what, every single person in this room somehow or some way has some sort of a past. Am I right? Some sort of a past because we're messy people. Listen, I want you to, I'm a youth pastor. I do weird stuff like this. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to tell them, you're messed up. Go ahead. You're messed up. Some of you enjoyed that too much. <laughs> but we're messy people, right? And so today I want to talk about the past. And before we get into that, I want to kind of define the past this morning. Uh, a lot of time in, in church world, in church language, we define the past as something that happened, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Or, you know, that, that thing I did back in high school or that season I went through back in college or that family I grew up in back then. But, guys, I, w- I want to suggest that today the past for some people is last night. For some of us in the room, the past is last weekend. Maybe it's last New Year's Eve. Maybe it's all of last year, I don't know. But, but for some people in this room, there are people that have trouble getting past your past. No matter when it happened, no matter what happened, you have trouble getting past your past. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Now listen, before we dive into this, I want to tell you a little bit about my past. Listen, I have a past. Let's throw the picture up on the screen here. This is my past. Now it gets even better. Let's zoom in a little bit. Look, I was a fat kid. I was a fat kid. It's just the reality of it. Look at that face. It's, a, it's like a basketball face. It's perfectly round. It's gorgeous. But I remember back when I, I played football like my whole life. From day one, the first day I could play football till the last day I could play football. I played football because I love that sport. But back in peewee football, um, people that were a little too heavy to run the ball, they wanted to make it fair for everybody, had this black tape stripe on their helmet okay I'm not kidding you we it's like we painted a target on people's chest it was horrible but we went in my fourth grade year I went in for the weigh-in and I will never ever ever forget this I was like one or two pounds off of having the black stripe and there were only like six kids out of the hundred kids going out for football that actually had the black stripe I'll never forget it okay Listen, I didn't say this in the first service this morning because I know that they can't handle it. But I know, that, I know the 11-15 service can handle what I'm about to say here. When I was in middle school, which for us was fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I had what were commonly known as man breasts, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me. I had man breasts. And so my best friends back then, my best friends who are still to this day my best friends, would always love it when I shook they, they, they had me shake it for them, and they would just die laughing. I'm not lying to you guys. And so it's funny. It's funny. But back then, guys, deep down, this hurt me. It hurt me. It scarred me, actually. And so once I got up into my junior high and high school years, I had a, seriously, a deep, deep, deep um, problem with my self-image. I took, like, every month, every dollar I could get from my parents to go buy the nicest clothes that I could buy so that other people would would look at me and think wow I I literally worked out every single day for years not to be healthy not for sports but so that I could look good for people guys I literally counted every single calorie that went into my body my senior year not to be healthy 
but because I was so deeply wounded and I had such a problem getting past my past as a young kid uh, that it changed my, my future. It changed the way that I perceived myself. And I believe that there are a lot of people today in this room that might struggle with that very same thing. Maybe it doesn't look exactly like that, but you've got some issue from your past that you struggle to get over. And it's defining the way you live your life right now. And so today, I want to help you get past your past, okay? So to do that, I want to read a passage of scripture found in the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, before I read this for us, I want to kind of explain what's happening here. Um, in Corinth, the church in Corinth, um, which is where we get the books of Corinthians, Paul writes these letters that we have in our Bible in the New Testament, 1 and 2 Corinthians, to the church in Corinth, okay? And now, you got to understand, these people were probably the most messed up people in the New Testament, okay? Probably the most messed up people in the whole New Testament. See, these people were like, sleeping with their mother-in-laws and, and getting drunk during the Lord's Supper. Listen, don't shoot the messenger. It's in the book. That's, that's right here in this book. That's the kind of people Paul are addressing. And a lot of scholars think that there's a lot more than just two letters to the Corinthians that Paul wrote because they constantly messed up. They constantly found themselves in these messy situations. And so Paul comes to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and he writes these people this. I love it. I believe it's on the screen, yes. It says this in verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's a good verse, isn't it? That means that, hey, listen to me. That means that the abortion is gone. That means that the divorce is gone. Is gone. That means that the addiction is gone. That means that that struggle that you faced is now gone. That means that the hatred for a certain group of people is gone. Right? That means that anything that I dealt with in my past is no longer my future. It's no longer my present because Jesus Christ changed my life. That's what Paul is saying to these people. The past is gone. The future is now. Now listen, people. If you get nothing else that I say from this message today, get this. You can fall asleep for the rest of the message for all I care. But I want you to know this, is that if you don't let your past die, it will never let you live. If you don't let your past die, it will never let you live. And so today what I want to do is I want to help some people in this room step into what I'm going to call your destiny. The life that God has created for you. The joyful reality that you can live in every single day. I want to help some people step into that today. I heard a, a pastor one time say something that really sparked my interest. He said, the dogs of doom stand at the gates of destiny. The dogs of doom stand at the gates of destiny. And for some of us, we're this close to our destiny. It's like right here. You can taste it. But there's that one dog, that one thing standing in your way from living the best life that you could ever imagine living. And so today I want to help you step into that. And so I've got three, listen, hear me out. I've got three really good points today. So if you are a note taker, these are too good to, to pass up, okay? I want you to take notes. As Pastor Greg always says, this is good preaching, right? He says it all the time. I took notes from him. And so I'm going to tell you before we get started, this is going to be good preaching, okay? So I've got three points. Let's, let's jump to the first one right here. In Christ, you are completely forgiven. I'll say it again. In Christ, you are completely 
forgiven. At the end of my senior year of high school, I, uh, I graduated. My, my parents always told me I was special. I knew that they were right. I graduated. I did it. But at, when, when you graduate high school, something happens is, is usually people throw what's called a graduation party. Okay? And the best thing about a graduation party isn't the, all the family that comes from all over. It's not the friends that gather. It's not the great food. Now, listen, hear me out. It is, at the end of the day, the best part of a graduation party is the cash flow coming in. You know what I'm saying? An 18-year-old boy getting thousands of dollars, there's nothing better. So I remember that day after my party, I went to my basement, I started opening all these cards, and guys, pray for me. I didn't even read any of the cards. I just wanted to see how much I made. And so what you guys have to understand about me is that I'm like an Apple fanboy, okay? Does anybody else love Apple here today? Come on, where am I? Where am I? I love you guys. Listen, if you want to fight me, make fun of Apple. I don't fight people, but if you want to fight me, make fun of Apple. I love Apple products. I've got way too many of them, okay? It's a problem. Pray for me, like I said. But when I was a senior and I graduated high school and I had my graduation party, I took $1,300 of this money that I made, and I put it towards this thing that I had always wanted called an Apple MacBook Pro, okay? These were like the best of the best laptops in my, in my mind back then, the best there was. And so I bought this laptop. It came in the mail two days later. Three days after that, I was loving this thing, okay, loving it. I was doing everything on this computer, loving it. So my mom, she goes, Cole, you need to order your books for college. And I said, Mom, nobody wants to spend $250 on books. Nobody. That doesn't even make sense. She said, you have to. And I always lost those battles. So I... So I sat down, I started ordering my books online, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never done it before. So I asked my mom to come help me. And uh, so she came, and she sat down. Now, listen, here's what you got to know about my mom is that she loves large Diet Cokes from McDonald's. She loves them. She's always got one. So my mo I called my mom over. This thing's got a lid on everything, people. You know where I'm going. She sits down right next to me. I said, Mom, I need help. She reaches across to help me, and I'm not kidding you, this lid pops off, and every drop of this Diet Coke lands right on my brand new $1,300 three-day-old MacBook Pro. Come on, people, empathize with me a little bit here. I was sick. She was sick. I wanted to throw up. It was horrible. It was like the worst thing that could have ever, ever happened. And so the next day, I get up, I go to work. Um, I was a lifeguard, and so I I lifeguarded all day, then I came home, and that day I walked through the doors of my house. It was an awesome day, and I walk in, and I see that computer sitting there on the, on the counter, and instantly all this stuff floods back into my mind. Oh, man, these emotions, this sickness that I, that I had the night before, I'm completely reminded of what happened. The days go by, I go hang out with my friends, I go to work, I go hang out with Addie, and I come home, and I'm always, I see this computer sitting there, and I'm reminded of what happened back then. You see, I think the devil has a really, really good way of reminding us about our past, doesn't he? He's really good at that. And I don't know what it is for you, maybe it's a person you see, maybe it's a song you hear, maybe it's a smell you smell, I don't know, but you're reminded of your past and you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel embarrassment, you feel pain, and you feel unforgiven for what happened to you or for what you did. 
Now, guys, I want you to know I get it. I know what it's like to feel like that. I know what it's like to feel guilty and shameful about something I did to the point where I'm almost sick to my stomach. I get that. But, guys, what I want you to know this morning is my first point is this. In Christ, you are completely forgiven. That means wholly forgiven, 100% forgiven. Listen, Romans 8.1, it's an awesome, awesome verse. It says this, so now there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, listen, I studied Greek a little bit in high school or not in high school, in college, and I know that the Greek word for no means no, none, zip, zilch. There is no condemnation for anybody who is in Christ. Am I right, guys? That's good. That means that anything you do in your life, you will not be condemned for it. That is a beautiful, beautiful truth, and I want to follow the God that is behind that. That's the kind of God I want to get behind. In Christ, you are completely forgiven. Listen, that's my first point. I've got two more. Let's move on to the second one. In Christ, you are infinitely valuable. In Christ, you are infinitely valuable. Now, I want to ask you a question. How do we determine uh, the value of something? How do we determine the value of something? It's, it's determined by the price that somebody is willing to pay for that thing, right? Come on, guys. we got to wake up. I'm having too good of a time out here. It's determined by the price that somebody is willing to pay for something. So like a piece of paper is not worth $10 million because nobody's willing to pay $10 million for a piece of paper. So when I was going into high school when I was younger, I was 14 years old, I believed that there were two keys to success in high school. Back then, I don't believe this anymore. But back then, I believe there were two keys to success. The first one was communication. If I could communicate... I, I was good. If I could talk to my friends, if I could text the, the cute girls, you know, I, I was good. I had to be able to communicate. And so I got a cell phone. The second thing was I had to have some form of transportation. So I had to first be able to know where everything's happening, and then I had to be, have a way to get there because you don't want your mom dropping you off at your friend's house all the time. That's just, that's embarrassing. And so me and my friends, we decided, hey, we're, we're all going to save up all our money, and we're all going to buy mopeds, Okay. We're going to buy mopeds because we want to be able to get around. And so for the whole summer, I owned, not owned, but I, I kind of ran this uh, mowing business where, where since I was like in sixth grade, I mowed like five, six, or seven yards a week every week throughout the summer. And uh, for the whole summer, I worked and worked and worked to save up every single dollar that I earned so that I could get my brand new $800 shiny red moped. And at the end of the summer, I finally got my moped. And I'll ask you a question. Guess how much value that moped was to me? Quite a bit, right? Infinite value to me. I spent a lot of money on that. That was the most money I had ever spent on anything in my life as a freshman in high school. And I loved that thing. Now, here's the thing, guys. There are people in this room, in this church, that don't feel like they're valuable. There are people that feel like they're not even valuable or worthwhile to their own families. Listen, guys, I have students that come up to me and they tell me, my parents tell me I'm an accident. I, they didn't mean to have me, that I was a mistake. Listen, if that's you, you're telling your kid that, stop it. That's horrible. Because I believe that every single person is valuable in the eyes of Christ. Listen, listen to me, church. I have a Bible right here that says that you are infinitely 
valued by your God, that he fearfully and wonderfully made you, that he crafted you together in your mother's womb, and that before time even begun, he thought about you, and he knew your personality. He knew the choices you'd make. He knew the relationships that you'd be in, and it doesn't matter what you do. You are of infinite value to him, and you know why? Because he paid the ultimate price for you. Am I right? He paid the ultimate price for you. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. And the guy raised himself to life, guys. Nobody's ever done that before. All for you. So that you could be in a relationship with him. Listen, if you are in Christ today, you are here, you're in Christ, you are infinitely valuable. Listen, that's two of three, guys. I've got another point. And I'm preaching it hard. I love you guys. Here's my third point. In Christ, you are unconditionally loved. In Christ, you are unconditionally loved. Now, I don't do a great job of unconditionally loving people, in particular the people in the left lane. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, hey, talk to me. What's the left lane for? Passing. You got it. It's for passing. Some of y'all just learned something today. The left lane is for passing. I don't do well with those people. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Pray for me. But I'll tell you who. I, I know somebody that unconditionally loves really well. It, it's my mother. My mother loves unconditionally well. And it was, she was in the last service, guys. This was awesome. I can't wait for, for you to hear this story. Um, my mother unconditionally loves me very, very, very much. So when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I was younger, I got really, really sick. Okay, I'm talking like the flu times 16. Does that make sense? You've never been this sick before, sick. Okay, it was bad. So I stayed home from school that day. My mom stayed home with me. Listen, I'm just disclaimer real quick. This is a, a nasty story. So if you've got a, if you got a weak stomach, just close your ears. Because here's what we, we have gaggers in the room that if you gag, they're going to gag. And soon everybody's gagging and throwing up. And I don't want that. I don't want that. So close your ears. But this was a bad sickness, okay? And I'm talking coming out both ends sickness pretty bad not good and so I'm laying in my bed that afternoon and I realized man I've got to go to the bathroom so I run over to the bathroom and I'm sitting there gosh I'm sitting there and I realized man I've got to throw up so I stand up from the toilet turn around and the force exerted in throwing up I'm sorry it caused everything to come out the back end as well. And I turned around and I realized, oh my, I made a mess. This is the worst mess I've ever made in my life. So I did what any young sick boy would do. I acted way sicker than I was so my mom would feel a little more bad for me. So I got in, I just left it. I got in the tub. I laid in the, in the bathtub, turned it on, you know, closed the curtain, stuck my head out, and called for my mom, okay? I'm 10 years old, and I don't know what's going to happen, okay? My mom comes into the bathroom. She's, like, worried, you know, because I'm sick, and she opens the door. I'm, I'm dead She gags, and she starts crying. I promise you. I couldn't make this up. She starts crying. To this day, my mom says, I would have rather sold the house. She, she's just out there talking to some people. I would have rather sold the house, she said. 
But in this moment, my mom has one of two choices, okay? She can come in there, she can rip me out of the tub, spank me, scold me, tell me how stupid I am, stick my nose in it like we do with our dog, you know? Or she can unconditionally love me and help me clean up my mess, right? She can unconditionally love me and help me clean up my mess. And so my mom leaves. She doesn't even say anything. She just starts crying, leaves, doesn't say anything. Ten minutes pass, and I'm nervous, okay? I'm nervous. She comes back in, has all her cleaning supplies, new outfit, and has a hand towel over her face. And she gets down there on her hands and knees and starts cleaning up my mess. And guys, I think that this is a perfect picture of the love, the unconditional love that the Father has for us. That it doesn't matter what kind of mess you have created in your life, he is willing to get down there and get in your life and help you clean it up. There is no amount of mess you can create that will withhold his love from your life. Listen, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you've been married for a while and your marriage is starting to get a little rocky. Maybe you've started doing something and you can't stop doing it and you know you should stop. Maybe you've started treating people poorly and you know you shouldn't treat people poorly. Listen, guys, God loves you just as much as he loves anybody else. And he loves you so much. He loves you unconditionally, which means there is no condition where God could withhold his love from your life. That's a good thing, is it not? That's a good thing. I'm glad because I would not be in a good spot if God did not have unconditional love for me. I don't know about you. I want to throw a scripture up on the screen here. Romans chapter 5 Verses 6 through 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were in the middle of the messiest moment of our life, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. I don't know what your mess is today, church. I don't know. It could be a whole plethora of things. Maybe it's six things in your life right now. Guess what? Christ died for you. Christ died for you. You are unconditionally loved, and there is nothing that you or anybody else could ever do to change that, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's why I worship. That's why I worship. So today, I want you guys to know that if you are in Christ, you are completely forgiven, you are infinitely valuable, and you are unconditionally loved. Let's check out this last clip. So, uh, spoiler alert, if you've never seen the movie, Marty makes it back to the future. Um, but before he gets there to this point, um, he has two things that, are really, that really occupy his time. The first is that he's got to get back to the future. That's kind of his main goal. And the second thing is about halfway through him being in the past, he realizes that even though the past was a little messy and, and a little messed up, that it was necessary for the success of him and his family in the future. He realized that the past, even though it was messy, set him up for success in the future. Now, church, today, I don't know what your past is. I don't know. Maybe it, it's horrible. Maybe it's, it's not so bad. I don't know. But I want you to know that no matter how good or bad your past has been, it is setting you up for a better tomorrow. And I believe with everything that I am that God's got something good for you in the future. Maybe you've 
completely messed up. Maybe you've completely blown up everything in your life. God's got something good for you in your future. Listen, I believe in a God that takes messy situations and turns them into miracles. Listen, I find it all over this book. I find it all over. The story of Noah. Many of you know Noah. Noah gets off the boat. He plants a vineyard, makes some wine, gets really, really drunk to the point where he passes out naked. Listen, it's in here. That's a mess, and God used Noah. David, one of the biggest Bible heroes in all of history, he literally took a man's wife, got her pregnant, and then killed this woman's husband. He's literally a luster, an adulterer, a murderer, and and a snake. David. Listen, Moses, one of the greatest leaders in all of history, literally kills a guy murders a man out of hatred. These are the people that God used. These are the people that God gave a future to. These are the people we read about doing great, great, great things for the kingdom of God in this book, you guys. And I believe that if God can do these things in these people's lives, he's not gonna stop. I believe that God wants to continue today making miracles out of your messes. I believe that God wants to flip this church upside down. I believe that even the messiest of people in this church, God can make a miracle out of your life and use you in ways that you would never be able to imagine in your life. That's the God that I worship, you guys. Do you, that, that is the God we sing songs to. That is good. And so I want to challenge you today. If you've got a mess, leave it here. If you've got a mess, leave it here. Don't take it with you because God wants to make the old you into a new you today. He wants to make the old you into a new you today. And so today we're going to praise him for that fact. Let's pray. This we love you, God. We we praise you, Jesus. I thank you that you take messy people and turn them into miracles. I take that you take the cra- I, I I thank you that you take the craziest of situations, God, and you turn them into the most beautiful of situations, Lord. I pray that you would multiply that in this room right now, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would begin to work on somebody's heart today that their past would no longer become their present, that their present would start to become their future, and that their destiny would start to become their reality. God, would you do these things in Jesus' name we pray today, God. And it's in your name. Amen.